welcome back to the Pilot Politics Podcast. This is episode number 52. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty sure. Episode number 52. So, we are joined once again by Liam. How are you doing, mate? Start again, it's not 52, it's 53. Fuck off, is it? Yeah, yeah, we'll have to start again. Nah, we'll keep this in. Uh, This is episode episode number 53. (laughs) We're keeping it in. Commit comedy gold. This wouldn't so, a cockfight. Uh, anyway, this is episode fifty-three. Yeah, I said fifty-three. Yeah, they, they must have just been lagging a little bit. They didn't hear me properly. Um, anyway, how are you, Liam, mate? Yeah, yeah, very well. How are you doing, mate? Not bad, not bad. Um, we are meant to be joined by my cousin Stuart. Been on the pod a few times. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, he's he's having a few technical difficulties, so he's uh, hopefully he'll join sort of midway through or whenever he gets his laptop working um so yeah i've heard the like the keys are stuck together because he's been yeah anyway um <laughs> we'll crack on i'd ask you what you're drinking but as we well know liam you're doing dry jam mm. how's that going for you actually really well do you know what nice. as well i've even gone to this this shows how committed i am to it uh on friday my mate hit me up and said uh, he was out with two of the other boys and the other two boys had basically been summoned by the missuses. So they went home and he was like, I want to stay out. Do you want to come out for a drink? So I was like, go on then. I had a water and two Diet Cokes at the pub. Oh. <sighs> That's disappointing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it was a bit. <sighs> what have you become? You've dedicated to the cause, haven't you? What have you become? Anyway, my damp January as I said it was going to be not not quite as wet alcohol wise as December was but it's going I mean it's going on. I probably am drinking less than I was in December but that's not been helped by the fact that one of my Christmas presents from Danielle was a subscription to uh, like you know those companies who like send you like a box of beer every month she's got me that for three months so for this month February March and the the ones for January came the other day. Um, quite nice as well, some of them. Um, and today I am sampling the my favourite one of the four, because there was eight, but they were four different ones, eight, two of each. Um, sampled this one before, just to make sure it was nice. It's a Boxcar Brewery and Brew Dog collaboration. Um, it's tr- called Dream State IPA. It's actually really, really nice. It's one of my. It's one of probably one of the favorite my favorite uh, IPAs I've tried. Six point five percent, so a little bit on the stronger side, but very, very nice. There's a few other ones in there. There was um, there was like a porter in there that I didn't really like. Um, in the in the box, there's a, a quite a decadent sort of black IPA. That's a Brewdog one. That's a seven percenter. Tried that yesterday, and it was actually decent. Um, and there's another one which is a vegan beer, actually. So I'm, maybe I'll send it to you, Liam, with your little vegan your antics. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably I'll probably save one and give one of them a go on um, next week's next week's episode. Um, but yeah, so it's very nice that that is the beer of the week. Um, what we're going to talk about? We are going to firstly talk about uh, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. Um, there's been a lot of sort of discussion and stuff over the last week or so about license fees and things um you know being reviewed and things like that um but it's brought up with it this whole debate again about whether the bbc should be publicly funded and whether we should have a publicly funded broadcaster in this country i think we've had this discussion before i don't know if you were on this that episode liam or it might have been a while ago um but what do you think about this liam do you, you know do you think that we should have a publicly funded excuse me, a publicly funded uh, broadcaster in this country, you know, publicly funded news. If you'd have asked me this question sort of 10 years ago, I'd have probably said, yes, I do think we should have a publicly funded broadcaster, especially going off the basis of what they're supposed to stand for in terms of complete impartiality, fair reporting. I believe that that is important. We should have something that presents nothing but facts to people. People can watch it and take their own opinions of what it is. doesn't matter what the debate is. Present nothing but facts and let the, let the public decide what they want. But 
if you're asking me now, do I think that we should have the BBC as publicly funded? I'm going to say no, purely because for me, the beat like the, the, the Tories especially are very good at making the BBC look like a, some sort of left wing organisation to the gammon because they have a few black presenters or a few Asian presenters or they might have a gay weatherman. So people think, oh my God, look how left wing this is because it Bloody has... Bloody political correctness yeah, gone mad, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's political correctness gone mad. Look at this black weather report. It's like, come on. because Just because it has these uh, people from different races and religions and sexualities doesn't mean that it's left wing. When in reality, the way that I view it is it's actually moving further to the right. It's just another Tory propaganda machine now. And the Tories play on it and, oh, look, it's so left-wing, when in reality it's just not at all. Mm. It's just another part of the machine that needs ripping down and destroying. So for me, I mean, what's going to happen to match of the day? That's the, that's the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, yeah, um, if, if you look at some of the wages that uh, some of these presenters are on, as well, I think Gary Lineker's on, what, 1.4 million a year? Jesus, And Walker. Yeah. Dan Walker, who just run of the mill presenter, he's on over three hundred grand a year. This is all getting paid out of the taxpayers' money, mm. and yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know me; I'm not a big sort of believer in big private corps having too much say on things. But in this one, yeah, I just don't see if that it is ridiculously fit for purpose anymore because mm. it isn't impartial. If it was completely impartial as it used to be, and I mean, I don't want to be too critical as well because if you look over history at the BBC. There has been some some great things that have come out of the BBC TV programmes and, and all the rest of it. But I don't know, yeah. I think now it's sort of ran its cause and it, it yeah, it's just another Tory peddling machine, basically. Yeah, I think it's interesting the BBC, isn't it? Because the the, the sort of and you touched on it there, the right think that it's like really left wing and all that. And then the left think it's really Tory and right wing right wing. So what I really what I get from that is that no one's really happy with it. Um and ultimately, I think the news media, especially, um, it's always going to be, you know, you can you can report the facts, but the facts that you choose to report are are the important thing about that's where like bias comes from and how you decide to report the facts. Now, BBC, you know, if you it, it, it's obvious that they're not as, um, you know, politically biased as the likes of The Sun or the Daily Express or the Guardian, you know, you can just see that just by looking at the headlines that they produce. Um, you know, the 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 Sun and, and something like that will be very much more sort of sensationalist. BBC are, are more, you know, f- about information um, rather than, because they don't need to sell any papers. They don't need to sell any meat because they're publicly funded. So that's not a problem for them. Um, but I think ultimately I, I don't, I don't see the point of having an independent quote unquote independent um, news broadcast. I just don't see why we need, I don't think we need it. I, I don't think we benefit from it. If people really want to have independent news, then you can't really get independent news anywhere. And I think like the same goes for the BBC because regardless of whether they perpetuate that they are an independent broadcaster, no political leanings, um the the their editors and their journalists will still have political views and consciously or unconsciously that agenda will slip in to their to what they write and their articles and things so it might not be as overt as the sun but that's just human nature we, our bias is is always there you can't just switch it off um you know you can report facts and you can downplay um, you know, bias as much as you want, but ultimately it's still going to come through. And that's, I think, what most people think about the BBC. You know, there's been a lot of criticism about them, uh, you know, over recent years and the way they've reported certain certain things from both sides of the political, political aisle. And ultimately, I just think people don't need don't need independent news. I don't I don't see the point. If you're that worried about getting a well-rounded opinion, then you'll read the the sun's take on a certain story and then you'll re- go and read the guardian or the mirror or whatever you know what i mean you you you'll take the news from all angles but ultimately people have got their views anyway so i think people are just going to go well do you know what i'll just read my echo chamber regardless of whether the bbc is there as, as an institution um yeah that's that's ultimately it for me i just don't i don't see the point that's 
Yeah. I think as well that the sort of the, because because they are supposed to be impartial, I do I think as well that when they do present news that in my opinion is right wing, it's almost more sinister because it's more subtle. And because they're it's almost like they're pretending to be impartial, but then pushing this agenda that people can turn around and be like, well, they're impartial, so they're just reporting the facts. So two two of the main examples for this was um during uh, the 2019 election when they had that picture um it looked like a, a so it looked like almost like a soviet propaganda poster oh the jeremy corbyn one. one with like it's hat on in front of like the the palace in st petersburg yeah, and yeah stuff yeah. like that's all but it's been impartial and then on top of that as well you had when he said he wanted to um make broadband uh, accessible to everyone it was like broadband communism and mm. things like that and that is just like such a tag phrase for the right wing to use when in reality i don't think that's that would be that radical and then lo and behold covid happens i mean it sort of um played into corbyn's hands a bit because kind of what he was saying bad yeah. fruition um yeah with the, with the broadband everyone had to start working from home and it was it, it was like well we cl- everyone clearly needs broadband now so then it didn't seem like a bad idea then. And then the Tories came out and were, were saying, well, we're thinking about making broadband cheaper or free for everyone in the home. And then everyone was like, this is such a good idea because everyone's working from home. And it yeah, was yeah. Corbyn literally said this two years ago and the BBC said that you're a communist if you think this. And mm. the BBC shouldn't have said that because that's not impartial, is it? No, they're, exactly. they're, they're peddling an, an idea and an agenda. So yeah, going back to my... my the point at the start for me, it's just a Tory propaganda machine. Now it's not an impartial news. So what's what's the point of it really? It's just like any other news station. Granted, like you said, it's not quite as sensationalist as the Sun or something ridiculous like that. But again, go, go sorry to go back to the point again of the whole impartiality of it and how sinister it is to be hid behind that. At least with the Sun, if it's sensationalist, people on the right wing love reading it because it's feeding into what they want to read. People on the left recognise the fact that it is just a load of absolute waffle. But with the BBC, it's hiding behind the fact that it's supposed to be impartial. So in my opinion, Mm. it can almost be more dangerous than something like the Sun because of how sneaky it is. So yeah, it's it served its purpose for me. It will be a shame because it's brought out some great documentaries over the years. Obviously, match of the day, everyone's going to be gutted about that worldwide. <laughs> but <laughs> produce some great paedophiles as well, like Jimmy Savile. Oh yeah, everyone's going to miss those guys. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, it, it served its purpose. So I, mm. I think we're both on agreement. Anyway, your cousin Stuart been on the pod a few times. Is here. <laughs> How are you, mate? You're right. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah, sorry, I'm late. I had a few technical issues. Um, but I'm here now. Mm. The, the reserve's been called up to the first fucking old, Fucking old people and technology and that. I know, I know what we like. Nightmare. What do you think about the BBC, mate? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I caught most of what Liam said there. Um, yeah, it's it's a debate that keeps coming around like time and time again. Um, and for some reason, it's for whatever reason, it's come into the news again, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the, the BBC does provide a lot of good value to, to our daily lives. You know, there, there's no denying that. You know, whether it be how we consume it, TV, radio, podcast, whatever else, you know, there, there's a lot of variety to it. Um, but then I, I do think that, uh, yeah, the, the license fee is, is also the contentious issue around it because you think, you know, why should you be subjected to, to pay it in order to consume BBC media? Because if you think about it as well, you know, you, you can never escape anything that the BBC produces. It's like you turn your TV, it's BBC One, BBC Two, standard channels, every TV will get. You you, you, uh, you know, in your car, if you've got on the radio, Radio One, Radio Two, Three, whatever it is, you know, you just never, you're never always surrounded by a BBC products. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's like something that, yeah, I, I get that, that it's um, it's a public service, you know, and, and it always has been. Um, but yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see what the, if it is fit for purpose, Um happening in the modern day as it, as it should be now i think with all the other media that we have to consume as well you know you think that the things that we we can pay for directly and something we want to subscribe to you know say like netflix amazon prime whatever else you know if i don't want netflix i don't have to watch it i don't have to pay for it mm. you know, if i do then then i will and i'll consume its content you know what i mean and it's um 
yeah but with, with bbc it's like there's there's no escaping bbc products because they, they're always in our daily lives and and yeah there's there is a purpose to them there is some value to them um but in in how we live today i, I don't know if it's up to the same standards of um of what it once was i don't think yeah, I think I think like you say, I mean, it's got a purpose. But every news media site, I suppose you could argue, has has a purpose. Um, whether we should be like like you say, whether we should, as a taxpayer, be forced to. Well, I mean, I'm not a taxpayer, so it doesn't really apply to me. But um, whether whether we should be forced to pay for that, um, you know, regardless of where, like you say, I like the the comparison there to like you know Netflix and whatever. If you don't want to watch Netflix, you don't have to pay for to watch Netflix. Whereas if you don't ever use the BBC services, then you know you're still subject to a license fee, um, which is just it's it's mad. It's in what other context does that apply? Where, um, well, I suppose in anything that's publicly funded, I guess. But like in in a consumer sort of market like we have, you know, it's like you know, going to a shop, doing your weekly shop and some dickhead adds eggs into your basket and you go, well, I don't want eggs. And they go, well, you got to pay for them anyway. I'm not <laughs> going to use them. We'll just buy them. So you've ended up spending an extra quid. I don't know how much that box of eggs costs. Um, but yeah, you know what I mean? It's it's, it's mental um, in that sense. And yeah, like you say, I just don't, I just don't think that, I don't think it's fit for purpose anymore. You know, at a time where uh, sort of news media and stuff and, and like TV, for instance, was quite a new concept. I can understand that it was a good idea then because, you know, people were quite new to it, new to the idea of having, you know, TV, you know, radio and then that news as well. But I just don't think we need it. In this country anyway, people have already got their political views. They don't need an independent sort of aggregator of that news. And even, even still, as we've established, like what you said, Liam, they're not always independent. And that's just nature. That's just human nature in the, in from the reporters and from the people who work for them. There's always going to be an element of bias. You can never get rid of that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just not doing what it says on the tin, which is providing independent news. Allegedly it's not doing that. What do you think is going to happen to it then? Do you think it'll just be sort of one of those, like at any other news outlet that you have to pay to use or do you think it's going to be disbanded or because I do, I, I do think it would be a bit of a shame if it's completely shut down and it ceased to exist because there is a lot of history there it dates all the way back to people getting their updates on the war and, and things like that yeah so I do think it does serve a purpose but not as an independent yeah 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 not I don't a- think it will I don't think it will cease to exist I think it's it's um it's a British institution isn't it really um and I don't, so I don't think it, it will cease to exist, but I think within our lifetimes there'll be some changes made to how it, maybe like how it's funded and how it actually operates as a as an institution. Do you think as well it will go down the sort of American route in time? I know like American TV is very commercialised, like even more so than it is here. But do you think it in time it could sort of go down that route? Potentially, I, I believe that they. I mean, if if they're not if they can't afford to pay some of their top brass. They'll have to, won't they? They'll have to start putting adverts on there. And, mm. um, yeah, I, I think at first it'll probably still be, if they scrap, they're scrapping the fee, aren't they, by 2027? So I think that at first it'll still be free to watch, but then you might see that you have it's optional to pay a licence fee to watch it, and certain people might pay it. It's up to you if you do or not. And then, yeah, eventually I do think that it probably will be adverts on there like any other channel, really, like your ITV kind of. Yeah, I think that's just the way new like news media needs to is is going to go in the UK. To be honest, I think you're just going to have like the channels that are more right wing channels that are more left wing. Like you know, you've got like GB News and whatever, um, and that and like you've got I'd say like Channel Four is quite left wing. If you ever watch Channel Four news, that's quite in my view anyway. It's quite a left wing slant. Um, so See, yeah, I, I think that they're more impartial than BBC. Nah, I don't think so. But I don't really watch that. I don't, to be fair, I can't say I watch the news much. But I remember watching Channel 4 news a couple of times and being like, oh, a bit lefty. But I mean, not that it's a bad thing because then you, because you know, so you're like, well, they've got clearly got an agenda here and they're not trying to claim that they're independent. So I don't care. Um, yeah, I think that's the main thing, isn't it, really? Uh, that could be the reason why Channel 4 puts its news on between seven and eight. Because they know that, like BBC and ITV, have their slots at six, half six, whatever it is. Oh yeah, definitely. They're never going to be able to compete with them. Yeah, yeah, and they and they give an alternative, well, sort of an alternative side of things as well with their with their news. So mm. they're 
yeah, you could say there's a balance in that sense, but yeah, I just I just go back to back with my news. Like, so I go BBC six till seven, and then I do um, then I do Channel Four just straight after. So you, you don't fit in the one show, no? <laughs> the fucking one show, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, let's move on to. Well, I want to say one more thing. Yeah, I'm obviously go I'm obviously going to be biased, but in my opinion, I don't think news is left wing or right wing. I just think it's a toss up between people who are trying to expose the truth and people who are trying to cover it up. Interesting. Yeah, but then it should no. It is left wing or right. Oh, that's bollocks. Actually, it is definitely left wing or right wing. There's always slants on it. There's people, I, I get the point, yeah, there's people trying to cover it up, the truth, and tr- people trying to expose it. That doesn't make sense, but it's still left and right-wing slants to how that's interpreted. So, in your, opinion, in your opinion, if a news outlet exposes the Tories for ripping off the working man, like, mm-hmm. in, the eyes, in the eyes of politics, that would be a left-wing standpoint. But that, in my opinion, that's not even being left-wing, that's just pointing out what's going on. No, nah, sometimes it is pointing out what's going on, but the way they report it can be f- from a left-wing perspective. If they're placing high emphasis on this and potentially ignoring something that like the Labour Party was also doing, then... The Labour Party aren't left-wing either. Not currently, they're not, but... I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe. It is, I'm just playing devil's advocate a bit here, to be fair. That was quite an... That, no, it was an interesting point, to be fair, but... um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, we'll see. Anyway, let's go on to the tweet of the week. Um... Liam, what have you got for us? I'm just trying to find mine because it was back on my Twitter. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, I found it anyway. There you go. What have you got, Liam? That's fine. So staying on the same topic, really. So the original tweet was, perhaps worth remembering what all we get from the BBC licence fee, which costs around 43p a day. And it was like a picture of all the different news outlets that we've got. So mm. we'll pick a few out. BBC iPlayer, BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Radio, blah, blah, blah. And somebody quote tweeted it, and this sums it up perfectly for me. All these wankers at the BBC saying 43p per day because everyone pooling into a nationalised broadcaster creates value for money for consumers. And then you ask them to apply the same principle to important stuff like shelter and fuel and broadband, and they call you a communist extremist. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite fair. That is quite fair. Um, Mic drop. Fuck off. Yeah, I was going to it's not really funny. It's just true. Uh, <laughs> um, Stuart, have you got anything for us, mate? Uh, yeah, I, I think this will um will tie into your next uh, article if it's if this is what's kind of next. But basically, it's from a uh, ESPN uh, who were reporting on the Australian Open. Oh, I did. To be fair, I ditched this bit. I haven't told you about it, but I've ditched the Novak Djokovic bit oh, from the agenda. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Anyway, uh, so Andy Murray uh, won his latest match at the Australian Open, uh, and and the quote from after his game uh, was. Uh, first I thought they were booing me but then I realised they were doing the same sound Ronaldo does when he scores it was incredibly irritating and that's uh, in reference to the soon noise uh, that, that goes on at yeah. Manchester United but I just I just thought when I read it you could just hear like, Andy Murray's voice as he says it just especially when it says it was incredibly irritating <laughs> but yeah just uh, it was incredibly irritating <laughs> just that yeah, mundane exactly Scottish voice yeah. But yeah, um, I picked it because I thought it was tying into the next story of the of the Australian Open. But yeah, well, yeah. To be, fair, to, some... to be fair, on the bright side, at least every time you hear anyone go "sue," at least uh, it's kind of like COVID passports, but for paedophiles. So every time, you hear it, <laughs> every time you hear it, at least you know that there's like five paedophiles in the room. So you can. <laughs> when they had oh. that, uh, that Sue cam at the darts a few weeks back you think oh fuck you know yeah. but yeah pick out the paedophiles <laughs> yeah mate to be fair people do it at work as well like whenever United whenever United are playing and they score and United score someone someone will always do it someone will always go Sue I'm like that is embarrassing but Bring anyway as well. it is yeah you literally adults you're, you're over over the legal drinking age you absolute slags um, anyways my one's an entire thread, and it's, it's it's not really funny. It's just absolutely weird and mental. Uh, just this guy on on Twitter is at his. You'll like this, Liam. Is at his Tom from Preston. Um, so we already know he's going to be a wrong one. Uh, <laughs> so he's just sort of arguing with people on Twitter. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, I, I don't know whether. Um, like I don't know whether this is some sort of ongoing 
like argument that he's had like for a long time with this person. But anyway, he's he was getting shit over some sort of tweet that he, that he put out or something. And and anyway, Tom from Preston replies. Uh, he put these lot are trying their troll jokes and are getting mad. I've got someone coming to mine in ten minutes, so all is good after that. Have you seen this, Liam? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I probably definitely should put a little parental guidance warning here. Like, not even that. It's just like it's a bit fuck. It gets a bit weird. Um. So, like, maybe if like my mum's listening or any any mums anywhere are listening, maybe skip the, the next the four or five minutes. Um. So yeah, anyway, my number is oh seven. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I've got someone coming to mind in 10 minutes, so all is good after that. Uh, someone replied to him, bit late to be getting the air compressor out to blow up your blow your girlfriend up, isn't it, mate? <laughs> you not got you not got neighbours. And anyway, he replies to this. This is where it gets mental. He replies to this with blow up girlfriend jokes. <laughs> I can't even read this without cringing. <laughs> I'll, I'll be fucking a local barmaid who will have just finished cleaning up. But okay, believe what you want. <laughs> and then, and then, fucking hell. Um, and then someone replies to him saying, well, Tom, don't keep us in suspense. What was it like? Did you see her bra and everything? <laughs> this is the worst reply. He replies back. Fucking hell, I can't believe I'm about to read this out on a podcast. Fuck, Daniel's mum listens to this. Um, <laughs> I came inside her twice. <laughs> you sound like someone who's never kissed a girl. Try it one day. Oh, mate. It was just the weirdest thread ever. <laughs> and that, that tweet, the I came inside her twice tweet, got 135 quote tweets and eight likes. <laughs> I love a ratio like that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. To be fair, it was pretty slim pickings for Tweet of the Week this week. I've seen anything. I don't think I've seen anything today, but uh, yeah, just just absolutely, absolutely mental. Um, anyways, we'll move on. Yeah, we were going to talk. Oh, no, hang on. We'll move on to ask the audience, actually. That's the next bit. That's item number four. So we had a few questions, actually. We had some people actually submit questions this week, which was nice. Um, <laughs> normally, just my tweets just get ignored. Um, anyways, so first question is from Brandon Wright, uh, who basically has said, he's asked, is Dominic Cummings giving evidence in the hope that he can remove Boris and sort his mate Gove out in office? And secondary question, if Gove did get a top job, would he beat Keir Starmer in an election? Liam, what do you think? Answer to both questions is no. I do I do think that Cummins is giving evidence against Boris one out of... I do actually think, do you know what? You've got to take it with a pinch of salt. But a lot of the stuff that Dominic Cummins is saying, I do actually believe him. I don't see why he would lie. And he did say... It's, not, he, it's not unbelievable, is it? Yeah, None that's of what I mean. It's, it's not like that, that... If he was coming out with something absolutely outrageous, then he'd be like, yeah, all right, mate. But a lot of the stuff that he's saying, it's believable, especially with Boris, because of how incompetent he is. Do I think he's doing it to help go? Maybe, but I doubt that that's his main reason behind it. I, I think he's probably more likely doing it to spy Boris more than um, mm. to get Govin, because... Realistically, I don't think Gover's got a chance. I think if he went for went for the leadership role, I don't think he'd get it. Let's be honest. Michael Gove, he's seen as just like some sort of frog human who's a bit of a fucking. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like he, he wouldn't get in. So, in answer to the question, no. What was the second one again? Would he beat Keir Starmer in an election? Gove. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What? Which lung would you rather have cancer in? <laughs> I don't. I don't think he would win. I think. You probably see the lowest turnout in voting since. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that would be an awful selection. That's like that's that's on par with like Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. That yeah, maybe not quite as extreme as that, but it's it's that is a fucking shite selection. How many people are in this country? Sixty-five million, and the oh, best no. we could come up with would be Keir Starmer versus Michael Gove. It's like <laughs> the worst pay-per-view ever. <laughs> Stuart, what do you think? Um, well, first, I didn't even know Cummings and Gove were like best mates, whatever they've made out to be. I didn't realise that was a thing. Yeah, um, a little bit pally. Oh, they, yeah. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, since Cummings has obviously uh, left 
um, Boris Johnson's office. You know, he's, he's coming out of all this stuff. And, and yeah, he's probably the most believable voice in this country right now in terms of actually what is going on um, like behind the scenes in that. And yeah, of course, you know, you, you can say it's because he got a grudge against what happened to him when he, when he um, left and that sort of thing. But he's the, he's the most honest voice there probably is now. Um, and yeah, he's, there's an agenda to what he says, take it with a pinch of salt and all that. But I mean, yeah, Michael Gove, it's the, the choice at the top of the Conservative is just pretty awful. Like, you know, I don't think it ever has been, I'm not one for voting Conservative, and that, like, and that, but I don't think it ever has been, like, even if I was, it has been that bad in terms of um, like who, yeah. who the choice of leader could be and who the potential next Prime Minister could be. Because, you know, in, in effect, will whoever becomes, who would be the leader of the Tory party and the Prime Minister, will that, will that affect people's voting habits for Conservative? Maybe not, because I don't think they actually care who the Prime Minister is. They just want to vote for that party. So yeah. whether it's Michael Gove, Rishi Sunak, who knows all his names being touted about. But yeah, I, I don't know, really, to be honest. Um, but was it him versus Keir Starmer who would, who would win the election? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh, yeah, yeah, shit. It, it election, is, isn't it? yeah, it is like a whole you know, which long do you want the cancer and that, but yeah, I mean, yeah, and then you look at Labour as well, you think who, who is actually in Labour that could step up to become a leader as well to, to put up a credible fight against the Tories in the election? Mm. Yeah, just, there's, there's no there's no one from either side at the moment you can really see as a, as a credible candidate, no, no matter who what party they're for, you just can't see a good leader being a prime minister of the, of the country, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with sort of most of what both of you have said there. Um, I, yeah, Dominic Cummings, I like, I'd like to, th- I don't think he's lying about what he says because, like you say, the stuff that's coming out, come out of Downing Street, especially in the last sort of weeks and months, is um, just a level above. And it's, it's, if anything, the stuff that Dominic Cummings is saying is actually not that bad compared to some of the shit that we now know. Um, do I think he's he's got he's definitely got he's definitely got an agenda. He's definitely bitter about the fact that he got sacked, hundred percent, as you would be. Um, but I I don't think that's a reason to disbelieve him. I think that's just a reason. That's just more reason that he's come out and said and been, you know, so uh, illuminating onto Boris Johnson's government and the antics and stuff. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I I think he has got a motive there. He's got an agenda, but it's not. It's not something that like is something that's gonna make him lie about anything. Go versus Starmer. I genuinely think Starmer would win that election. Um just because I think Michael Gove is such a like weird villain figure. Like you said, Liam. And not even that, he's just he, he, I'm not even saying he's much of a villain, but like he's just so insignificant. You know what I mean? Like he's just I and even I mean I think Starmer's pretty pretty weak and pretty spineless at the best of times but I think Michael Gove would give him a run for his money in in this who's the most spineless twat competition like honestly he's absolutely I can never see Michael Gove being Prime Minister Keir Starmer a little bit more than Gove I can't see Keir Starmer being Prime Minister but yeah so to give an answer to that question in my in my opinion I think Starmer would beat Gove um, it'd probably be a hung parliament but yeah, but also I don't want I don't want go to even have you know say Boris Johnson does go I don't want go to even have a couple of a year or so in 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 Parliament because he's a massive pro restrictions, mm. uh you know tyrant. So yeah, that's, that's just another another layer to it though. Even if you take away the pro restrictions side of go, yeah. he's just never going to be the prime minister. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. even hardcore Tories, I mean you're probably balancing hardcore Tories who are pro and against lockdown. There's probably more. Tories who are against lockdown now than for it. So even the, the most staunch Conservative would be thinking, why would I vote for Gove if he's just going to try and implement restrictions? Mm, it, yeah. it, you just don't see a way that he would win, but then it's Keir Starmer. It's such a tricky one. Like I said, yeah, I think the is. vote turnout would just be that low. I think, yeah. <laughs> and after, you'd probably get a hung parliament. It'd end I up being might, yeah. some, some coalition. It's dependent. The Lib Dems would probably end up in with one or the other. Maybe yeah, 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 might top up with um, because I've got a, I've got a weird feeling the Greens might do all right next time. They've only got the one seat at the moment, haven't they? But they might end up with like four or five or something in some mm. of the more senior areas. Yeah, I think the next election, especially if Boris does get fired in the next six months, I think it might be sooner than that. 
I wouldn't be surprised if another general election was called because we're only a couple of years off on anyway. Yeah, so true. I, I'd probably think that the noise behind it would be that loud that they would call another election. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the next question uh, from Omulo is, does the do the last couple of incidents with Boris, um, I, I assume he's a friend like all the parties and the scandals and all that shit, prove that we need an impeachment process in this country? like they have in the US, basically, and in other countries. What do you think, Liam? Do we need some way of impeaching? the? To be fair, I will just preface this with, we kind of do, because we can, because the opposition party can call a vote of no confidence against the prime minister. Um, And I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% on the whole, I mean, this is when we need Sam. I'm not 100% sure on the whole parliamentary, um, like, format or not format but the how it process works. yeah process um but i'm pretty sure if, if a prime minister loses a vote of no confidence they have to call the general election um mm. so but i mean they could still win that election so i guess then they could be re you know reinstated if you're impeached you can never be president again so yeah, yeah. what do you think Lou? i think no because just going off that um in America, when when it comes like like American presidents very rarely ever just step down. They usually need the hands forcing. But look at the last few prime ministers here. They've either quit or they've been no confident. Like you've got David Cameron who fucked it off. Um, Theresa, Theresa May, May really. resigned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even before that, Tony Blair left. Tony Blair resigned. So I don't think it's as much of a problem here in terms of if if a, someone well Boris is probably the, the exception. Usually, if they're doing a shit job, they get they sort of get forced to turf out. Sorry, they get sort of get forced to be turfed out. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't think so. I don't. Plus, I don't like the idea of getting more Americanized in our politics. Nah, neither. Yeah. So, yeah. In, in answer, the short answer to the question, no, I don't think no. we need. Anything. What do you think? What do you think, Stuart? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think especially it's, it's the issue of Americanization of British politics. I think like we, we have our own laws, our own customs. I think, and that that's how it, it should remain like that. You know, whether it is it's it is fit for purpose or not is a, a whole other debate. But yeah, I mean, like going back to the history of of the prime ministers I mentioned, you know, like they've they've all resigned when the pressure's been on. So and it could come to that in, in this stage with um with Boris Johnson now because. You know, he, he without a vote and no confidence, he could even step down tomorrow, and mm-hmm. and like it would be accepted. I think his his resignation. Um, but yeah, and I, th- I think um, yeah, the, the whole the whole sort of trying to Americanize British politics, I, I don't think sort of sits right in this country as well. Especially as um, you know, we're, we're a very traditional country in terms of how our how our politics work and stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. we um, yeah, I, I don't think we'd we'd um, welcome the route down the sort of American system of impeachment and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I don't, I don't think we need a formal pro. Like I say, we've got something similar already um, because the likelihood is that if a, if an opposition party is confident enough to call a vote with no confidence, then they're confident that they will, you know, give the, the governing party a good run for their money in the election. Um, so... Yeah, I, I like to say I, I pretty much just echo what you what you both have said there. Um, I don't think it needs to be formal because I don't think we have as much of a problem with you know people clinging onto power. Boris Johnson might be an anomaly to that that trend, but most of the time when you know when that when the pressure is on, the the prime minister has resigned. We've seen it with you know even going as far back as Margaret Thatcher. Um, you know forced out by a party so i think once i think prime ministers are good at recognizing when their time has come and i mean i think boris johnson's time is is coming um and that's actually to be fair the next question leads in quite nicely to that um uh erin roberts asks will boris resign uh and if so who will replace him so we've sort of spoke about the who will replace him part already so maybe don't need to go into that again because we've said that there's just a deluge of shit people i'll throw that out that i reckon the leadership contest gove will put his hat in the ring so we'll go uh sunak uh and liz truss just to name three could be more but what do we think will, will he resign i suppose this is the big question here or will he sort of i don't know well there's no other way he either resigns or he's faces a vote of no confidence from his own party that's pretty much the only two options or lasts until the next election and then gets voted out by the people 
What do you think, Liam? I'd be surprised if he gets that form. I don't know, because it, it's a weird one with this, because it wouldn't surprise me if you put the telly on tomorrow and he'd gone. It wouldn't surprise me if in six months he was still there. It wouldn't surprise me by the next election he was still there. I think mm. the least likely thing to happen is that he's still there by the end of their term. Um, because if, if you're... The, the way that the Tories will be looking at it now is we might as well just try and get him out now. Either call an election, get him out now, prepare for the next six months and call an election. Get him out now, prepare for 2024 with whoever... The, is it 2024 or the next one? 2020? Yeah, yeah, 2024. Yeah, 2024. Get him out now, get someone else in, and then you've got the next two years preparing for the normal general election. By that time, you can basically make Boris the fall guy, pin everything on him for everything bad that's happened. If, if he's still there by then, and then there's an election, then last minute they switch it. Because surely, if they're going into the next election, 2024, he's not going to be the leader then. Because you just get laughed at in the politics. You never know, though, do you, in politics? You, you never know in politics. You do never know. <laughs> that, is, that is true. But like you just said then, with British prime ministers, they usually know when the gig's up. I think he's mm. well overdue now. Yeah. Surely he's got to be out soon. Who do I think would take over? Personally, I think... I mean, like you say, they're all a bag of shit. I think the most likely one would probably be Sunak, just because the way that they could make him look like a good person, the media would be, well, he's this person who saved everyone jobs with the first. He's, he's probably one of the only people, uh, only politicians, who's come out of the whole COVID situation and looks good. Uh, well, that looks good. Written, written off the, um, what is it, £4 billion worth in dodgy... Furlough. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It looks good. Looks good. He's sort of the media's sort of sweetheart, you know. Yeah. He's he's done the whole eat out to help out thing. He did all the, uh, you know, the furlough, like you say, and so he's probably the, the only BBC, one. Is actually the BBC. Sorry to go back to BBC again. They even had like a um, like a picture of him in like a Superman outfit. Like he's yeah. saved. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I remember, remember that. Yeah, yeah. So he, he is like a bit of yeah, the the like the, yeah. the sweetheart of, of the media. I think so, yeah. he would be the most likely. I think the one that would scare me the most would be Pretty Patel if she got in. Yeah, shit. You know, I didn't actually think of her. If she got in, that would be absolutely terrifying. We'd just turn it like we're already get going that way, but we'd just be a cruel, fascist little island if she got in. It'd be horrible. Mm, She's yeah. the one that worries me the most. If she puts a hat in the ring, someone needs to fucking. No, no, I'm not going to say that on a podcast. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> save me, save me an editing job there. Somebody needs to stop her, I'll say. Um, yeah, she can't get in. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Stuart? Do you think you see Boris Johnson resigning? Um, yeah, well, I think take over you said it's it's more just a matter of time. Um, and whether it's the, the time that the Tories thought, you know, we, we get rid of him now, get someone else in, we then got two years to rebuild the party. You know, they they all the, the votes, no confidence and that sort of thing. You had the uh, the MP and, and Berry move from uh, Conservative to Labour today. Um, you know, little things like that you think is sort of damaging into the the, the Conservative um, party at the moment. Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised if you see it tomorrow, see it next week, six months, whatever. It's, it, it, I think it will happen. Because, um, yeah, most British prime ministers do know when their time is up. And that's mm. probably one of the, uh, uh, let's go back to like the previous question, it's probably one of the, the things that we have in this country where the, the pressure gets put on you rather than like digging into everything to save a job. You know when, yeah. when the pressure's on and you know when to resign. Um who, who replaced him? Yeah, I, I think I think I agree with Sunak. Um, yeah, just just because he he's probably got the best image, I think as well. Um, and he, yeah, he, he has looked the best, if there is a such term as being best during the the whole pandemic. Uh, just because he was the bloke who came up, well, not came up. He, he was obviously the head of um, like the furlough scheme and that sort of thing, and was like the the face for it. Um, but I mean, someone like Boris Johnson. Um, yeah, think about when he when he first became prime minister is, at the time. We've never heard of COVID and it's all to, to do with Brexit. And you think, I don't think anyone at that, at that particular moment in time wanted to step up, be prime minister, to think, you know, how the fuck do we deal with Brexit? Like, you just trees a major tried, couldn't do it. And then, and then he, and then COVID then comes along to sort of, um, you know, to spin more plates, to, so to speak, on in his prior, in his own premiership. And you think, you know, it's just, so at that point in time, you think, why would you want to be leader of this country? But he's doing it because this is the pinnacle of his political career, and it's, it's where he's always wanted to get to. And he's never going to have a, a job as he'll go back to, um, you know, might might be in the, in the cabinet, um, that his local constituency and that sort of thing. But he's basically just made a career out of um, just being the prime minister, like to say, oh, I was the one that was the in charge during the pandemic and that sort of thing. And he's just going to make a career of it for the rest of his life. 
bollocks doing it after dinner speaking about being the savior of the country and all that sort of bollocks you yeah. know and like surviving covid and whatever else yeah, yeah. so yeah you think you came in at a time when no one else wanted it um but now you think the pandemic might be hopefully coming to an end so there's other issues then that might might come to the forefront of british politics that someone else would step up with and someone like sunak would probably take his chance i think and um step up to become prime minister mm. without, yeah. defending, without defending boris because i do think he's an absolute piece of shit i don't think there'll be any prime minister in the next 30 40 years who will step into a harder job than he's had to uh, obviously with Brexit no he's had, he's had a he's had a hundred percent he's had a difficult job but uh, I think unfortunately he's definitely was not the right man for that job um, just a quick question to you both yeah. as well do you think the fact that uh, I, I, another reason why I think Rishi Sunak would be sort of a massive goal for the Tories because of the fact that he's quite charismatic but not only that because he's like an, a British Asian as well they could then coin it of oh look we're progressive look we're we're the first um, party to have somebody who is from British Asian heritage as the prime minister yeah. shows out, and then they can then spin that in the media as and and, and the like. The Liberal Tories would love it as well because yeah. oh look how progressive we are, look how progressive we are. So they can continue with all the bullshit behind the scenes, but with this image of well, Labour have never had a. Uh, yeah, well, well, to be fair, the Tories love doing that anyway because they're the only party who have had uh, a female prime women. minister, right. and they love doing that whole, oh, Labour aren't all about inclusivity. Look at all their leaders and prime ministers. And to be fair, I mean, they kind of have got a point. I know you shouldn't elect leaders purely on the image that they project and their identity, 100% not. It's about other credentials. But if you look at Labour's leaders, Keir Starmer, white man, Jeremy Corbyn, white man, Ed Miliband, white man, Gordon Brown, Tony Blair, um, who was the, the bloke before it who died of a heart attack, John Smith, white man. You know, you, you had all these people who have led Labour and pretty much all of them um in my memory anyway i'd say all of them even in my memory have been white men but yeah i think it would be quite a good um a good for the in the, for the tories perspective it would be be good for them because they would use it and they'd lord it as like a political sort of tool and you know to to stave off any accusations that they're not inclusive and they're not about diversity and whatever but like yeah. How are, we, how are we racist? We have they would, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like that. Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not racist. I've got black mates. Like, yeah, we're not racist. We've got a uh, an Asian prime minister. It's yeah, it would be one of them. I think the, the thing as well. You, you can even look back. You think when um, when Thatcher became prime minister, like late seventies, like a woman in at the top of policy is just completely unheard of. But then it's not necessarily about the person. It's about their policies. Because then look what she did during the eighties: complete mm-hmm. decimation of industries, and you know the, the north just basically was just like you know decimated uh, you know and then you think so and you think now like one day you got Rishi Sunak yeah British Asian Priti Patel but we still Priti Patel was like his home secretary you know we, we've seen some of the like the damage she she can cause would you want to go a step further put, by putting her in charge like yeah it gives off a good image but at the end of it they're politicians it's about their politics what what can they do for the country is it in their best interests or not yeah, the the image does help to get you somewhere that that bit of character to help you sort of step up in your career and that. But at the end of the day, is about the politics. Yeah, I've always said that with Pretty Patel, if she was like a seventy-year-old white man from Stoke, she'd be seen as this massive fascist who brings in really racist policies. But she sort of gets a bit of a ride because she's Asian herself. She even come out when because she was denying that racism exists in this country. And then in the next thing, when she was being asked about politics, she was like, "Oh well." When I was when I was at school, kids in the playground used to call me the P word and other slurs for people like Pakistanis, even though I'm not a Pakistani. And it was like, well, one minute you're saying that the people aren't racist, and then you've just said that you experienced racism yourself. So make your mind up with with which what stance you're having. She, yeah. She's just like a puppet again, a puppet for the Tories. That's all. Oh, look how inclusive we are. When in mm. reality, their policies are still just as horrible as they were 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, We'll move on to discuss. Thank you for those those questions, by the way. They were very, uh, very interesting. Um, we'll move on, though, to talk about... We was going to talk about, like I said, we were going to talk about Novak Djokovic. That was initially penciled in. and we, I was, we was even going to talk a bit about Prince Andrew, but uh, to be fair, I think 
what's the fucking point? Instead, yeah, exactly. And he's had his royal titles revoked. That's pretty much all we were going to say. There wasn't really much room for massive discussion there. Um, it's just a thing that's happened. Um, and that he is. And yeah, and he's also not his his court case is now going to be funded by himself. He's not. It's not going to be the royal family aren't going to provide him any backing anymore. <clears throat> so anyway, that's good, obviously. But today we had uh, a pretty big announcement in the UK regarding COVID, and a pretty pretty good announcement, if you ask me. Uh, the government have basically said that they're going to scrap Plan B. Um, they're going to scrap it from next Thursday, which is the 27th, uh, I don't know, something like that, 28th maybe. Um, that's They're going to scrap it. So that means no more uh, compulsory masks in anywhere, um, no vaccine passports anywhere, no working from home anymore. Um, they're saying they're just going to let people use their own guidance no, but no, but also as well, the, on on the twenty sixth of March, I think it is, the Coronavirus Act expires, um, and the government are planning to end the requirement to self isolate for those who test positive for COVID. So, we fucking won, haven't we? We we fuck we've won, we've won. Like we've just won here, haven't we? You know what I mean? It's. It's a great, it's a it's a great day. And well, it's do, gonna... do you know you, you say that you say we won that sort of thing, but for a lot of people, don't fucking ruin this. No, no I'm just I'm just saying, <laughs> just saying, you know, just the other side of it. For a lot of people, it's actually it, there is no victory because mentally they're completely gone. You know, you know what I mean. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. The, the mental damage this has caused with people going, somebody's not wearing a mask next to me in Tesco. They're going to give me a virus and they're going to kill me, my family. Like, how how do you revert? But, no, genuinely right. So those people, those people are still going to be scared. One hundred percent. There's going to be people who are mentally. Um, of course, there is. Like it's, it happens with anything when it's been shoved down your throats for the last two years. Um, that is no surprise that you're going to have this ingrained in you and it's going to be hard to get rid of it um, for a lot of people. And obviously it's been a shit time for for everyone, regardless of, you know, like I say, whether you have lost people because um, of COVID, whether you've lost your business, whether you've uh, even lost people who, you know, potentially, you know, couldn't cope with lockdown and killed themselves. There's been, it's been a shit time for pretty much everyone. It's just been maybe less shit for different people but ultimately now is the time where we've reached the rational decision where actually we need to learn to live with this virus ultimately it's sad that people die death is always sad um in any circumstance uh, unless it's piers morgan that'd be a good day but death is always sad in you know it's is it's shit but we've always accepted it as a thing that just happens. Um, it's horrible. It's tragic. You, you cry, you get upset. Um, but it's, it's ultimately life. That's, you know, that's life. Um, we can't, we can't subject people to eternal misery just for the pure fact that some people will die. People die all the time. Like I say, shit, but it happens and you can't stop it from happening. And ultimately now is the right time. We've had, you know, the a vaccine rollout, which has been fantastic. And the people who are vulnerable have been able to get the vaccine and protect themselves uh, to a greater degree against COVID, which is obviously good. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Like, like I've said this loads of times, not anti-vaxxer. It's great that vulnerable people have access to a vaccine, but, this is the point where we say we can't do anything more now. We've got vaccines, uh, you know, we people can choose to protect themselves, but we can't keep limiting people's freedom. We can't keep decimating the economy. We can't keep playing with people's businesses, with people's livelihoods and people's mental health. We can't keep doing it anymore. And it's what we've been shouting about for, for even since this podcast started, which was, I don't know, was it even a year ago to the day? It might be. Um, but this is what we've been shouting about for ages. And, now is the time where we go, this is it. And I'm pretty happy about that that part of it. I don't know about you, but yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, what you're saying there. Yeah, it's good that as an end in sight now. I think nearly two years we've been subjected to some form of restriction in our daily lives. And you think, yeah, it has, it has been a long bloody time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good in that sense to move on. Um, I just want to say as well, personally, I, I, I think some elements of work from home should should still remain because that will be like a, a company's choice, I think. Mm. You look out, look out the window in days like today, you see it's freezing cold and it's nice. Just <laughs> so hang on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought he was going to make like a, a good point about like the sort of practicality. I, say, of I, I don't want to scrape the car in the morning when I leave the house. <laughs> Brilliant. That's an point. <laughs> fair, there is a, there is like a genuine point in that though. That like working from home, like a lot of people have been saying like it's actually a lot of businesses maybe won't go hundred percent back to you know having people yeah, back I don't in the think office. They will. Yeah, I think it's I, I think, think it's because ultimately it saves them money as well. Yeah, yeah, it's more to do with yeah. cost cutting with like uh, heating, lecky, yeah. and all and that. it's better for the environment statistically yeah, yeah. as well. Less people commuting, so that, that's one that's one bonus out of the virus is that at least we've learned that working from home is a lot more simpler because at first company, I, I was when at my old job, the reason that they weren't having more people working from home was just because they thought it would cost more to give people laptops. And uh, so yeah. in the short run, like, yeah, it would be more expensive to sort of give people the technology to do it. But in the long run, the amount of money that's, that you're going to save and yeah, the, the, the positive impact it's going to have on the economy, it means less packed sort of buses and trains and stuff as well. It, it, overall, it is, it is that is a good, that's like one positive aspect of it. So, yeah, you are right, Stuart. The comp- I do think companies will, and plus it means you can hire more people for your company. So it'll be better for jobs in the long run because it, a lot of it comes down to office space. So you might need more staff, but because you don't have the space in your office to do it, you're having to sort of run a business on more shoestring staff. So at least you can have a bigger staff now. So, yeah, better for jobs. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you're not limited geographically as well to who you hire. If you, if you hire people remotely, you you've got a bigger pool of people who potentially you can recruit from as well. Um, but yeah, I think the other side of that, I think it has definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, you've I've been fortunate enough to have some sort of homework element, and a lot of people have office space kind of thing. But you think, I, th- I think it has exposed a um, a big divide in in work life as well because it's like those who are sort of um, it's it's just the gap between like say middle class office work based workers as such and working class say like uh factory jobs manufacturing that sort of thing you know there's there's been a big divide in, in what we've seen uh, over the the last what, like well, since the pandemic started um so it, so yeah it's it's beneficial to to some people but only a, a limited group of people i think and, and i think you can't forget what has happened to a lot of people who have lost jobs and who haven't been able to work due to say somebody they work with in their factory gets COVID, they've all got to isolate and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's it's positive in that sense now that with the rules changing, it's going to benefit a lot of people, I think, in that sense. Mm. Yeah. Going back to the point, Liam, what's um what are your thoughts on this whole thing? The, you know, the end is near. How are you feeling about it? I feel like ultimately there's always going to be a degree of of risk with it, but there's a degree of risk with anything. You can walk out front and don't get it by a bus. I mean, it's, it's less likely that that's going to happen than you're getting COVID, but I just see it Normally, like, you're not at particular, if you're like me or you, you know, young people. Yeah, I just... Like, I was going to call, I was going to call, I was going to call you healthy there, but... Ah, you... <laughs> like, like you said before, it's sad people die, but it's, it's just life. You don't, every time the flu comes around every year, you don't have people going into lockdowns and stuff and I feel like because because this is just basically like a new thing that's come out obviously the immediate reaction to it was right let's lock down let's see what's going on that's fair enough the immediate the, the, the instant reaction to the COVID pandemic I, I get that and I was in support yeah. of it myself because no one knew what the fuck was going on oh yeah so we, that, we, did, yeah. we did something to deal with it but now we know what it is we know that it's not that dangerous especially if you're vaccinated ultimately people are always going to die it's sad but like you say you can't spend your entire life being in fear that you might die. You live to live, you don't live in fear of death. So yeah, good to see that the end is near and hopefully, uh, yeah, all good, all good in the hood. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ultimately this is, it's it's always been about just choice for, for us. Um, you know, people like me, people like you guys who, you know, we've been rabbiting on about this whole COVID issue for so long and I'm, I'll be so glad when we don't have to talk about it for, ever again um, on the podcast anyway. Um, but it's ultimately it's always just been about choice. Um, if you if people want to continue wearing a mask, um, then feel free. 
Um, equally on the flip side of that, if you refuse to get a vaccine because you think Bill Gates is going to put fucking 5G in you or whatever and it's going to track you, whatever, that's fine. Do whatever you want. But ultimately, for us, it's just for me, it's about freedom. It's about choice. And that's the things that we've really lost sight of over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, like you say, it's there is a risk of catching COVID. There, there's, there is a risk for more risk for certain people than risk for others. I don't feel particularly afraid of it. Um, but like you say, everyday life's a risk. You can walk out the door and you might get hit by a bus. It's unlikely, but you go out anyway. Getting in a car, that's a, probably a bigger risk statistically, I would say, for a young person than, than COVID. I haven't actually looked into the statistics of it. Um, but getting in a car, you're probably more likely to die in a car crash than you are to die of COVID if you're, if you're someone who's young and healthy. So, you know, but we accept these risks as part of life just to make things better and make things more convenient. And ultimately, I think what you'll find is the majority of people don't want restrictions. You know, you've got you've got both sides on Twitter. You've got the people who are really, really anti-vocal um, about it, and you've got the people who are really, really in support of it, who I hope are crying in their sleep tonight, uh, just for the record. But, um, you know, I think the majority of people just want normal life. And I think especially the last sort of couple of months with uh, this whole COVID, uh, the whole down the street parties during COVID lockdown and stuff, I think that's really exposed that fact. People being, well, they were taking the piss out of us. So we're just going to do whatever we and want cl- to do. And it clearly isn't as scary as yeah. if, if the people at the top of the chain should know the most about yeah, if, if, it. Yeah, and people in not their 50s as well and 60s. Yeah, exactly. It's clearly not that big a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People at the top, like if it was that scary, the people at the top would be shitting themselves and they're not. So Yeah, exactly. Ultimately, I think it's, yeah, like you say, it's, it's, it's choice. You, you do whatever you want to do just as long as there's no, that doesn't affect my freedom to do what I want to do. If you're that scared of it, lock yourself in your house. I don't care. You do whatever you want. Thing is, I hope as well. I hope other countries start to follow suit because, like here in the UK or England in particular, you know, we we seem sort of seem to be like the um, the only country sort of retaking really a step now. And you'd you'd hope mm. that other countries do follow, like the rest of the UK and, and in Europe and stuff, because you know, even small things like when you. I'm flicking through like the TV, like the German football comes on in Sky Sports, and you think you ever watch that? And all, all the empty stadiums, are, like same in France now. And you think they're still behind those doors there? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, they've got very limited crowds now, I think. And you, and you think there's just things like that where they're so behind in terms of what's mm. going on. Whereas here, like you've got full stadiums, and just you know, we're we're enjoying a lot more. We've still got some restrictions, like uh, at present, or have had. But you think now we're enjoying a lot more freedom than other countries. Yeah. So yeah, you'd hope in time, a lot of countries do start to follow suit. I think, I think gradually it'll happen. I think gradually there is going to be a trend towards that because it will be triggered partly by, I think it's, this is partly what's triggered it in the, in England it, it, by the people deciding that actually they've had enough. Um, and hopefully common sense will prevail because, you know, common sense has told us now that we can't do anything more to protect people from this virus. Like we've had like cases at like 150, 70,000 a day and deaths have just been pretty much flatlined. And they've gone up a little bit in the last sort of few days and out of the backlog. But ultimately it's nowhere near the, the, the levels we were seeing in winter last year. So we know that vaccines work. We've done everything we pretty much can at this point to mitigate the risk for those and we've and you know like you say those choices are still there for people who want to limit their risk if you want to you know that's fine avoid crowded spaces wear a mask do that that's absolutely fine your prerogative but i'm just happy that now it's a choice and it's not a compulsion and it's not a law and we're not being um told basically what to do that's that's it and i'm pretty happy about that to be honest yeah. That's that's all we've wanted from the start. Like it's very early into the pandemic. That's all everyone wanted. They just wanted it to be a choice. Personal yeah. risk. Take take your own risk of what you do. Just that's what I mean. That's what you do in everyday life. life. That's what you do in everyday you, life. Shouldn't subject a whole population to the same restrictions and the same lockdowns because it yeah. it doesn't have the same effect on everyone exactly. in terms of protection or whatever else they were trying to the narrative they were trying to give out to it. Yeah. Just ultimately, take take your own risks and live your own life and. That's how it should be and how, how it should have been since the start. Exactly, mate. Exactly. But there you go. I hope all those Twitter scientists are having an absolutely terrible, terrible day uh, today. I'm sure they're losing their shit. Um, but yeah, anyway, we'll move on to the final, final ad- little agenda 
Um, and it is the worst take of the week. Um, I'm trying to find where I saw this one because it was either on my Twitter or someone at, or the Pineal Politics Twitter. Don't think it's on mine. So we're going to have to scroll back through my timeline. But, you know, keeping on the, on the COVID theme, uh, <laughs> it is COVID related, unfortunately, but it is very, very funny. Like it's, it's, it's just, it's not even, it's not even a bad take particularly. It's just, it, maybe I should rename this bit to mental takes of the week because it's just one of them where you read it and your mouth's just open. Um, right. Hang on. Let's find it. Let's find it. Let's find it. Well, this is going well, isn't it? Can't actually find it. I'm going to edit this bit out, aren't I? Oh, yeah, I've seen this one. Okay, here you go, I found it. Um, so the worst take of the week goes to Denise Dewald, who is, I think, an American doctor or something. I don't know. She's got MD after her name. What does that stand for? Doctor, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I'm not, not too I think sure it's really. a doctor. I could be wrong. Yeah. It stands for she needs a bag of it to cheer up the miserable bitch. <laughs> Oh, anyways, <laughs> she was she was enlightening Twitter about how she um, how she drinks fluids with while she's in public with a mask on. <laughs> so listen to this, right? Absolutely mental. I take a breath in, hold my breath, take my mask off, get a couple of gulps down, put mask back on, and exhale through the mask. Repeat. I can drink a whole water bottle of water in a few minutes. No unfiltered air sharing for me. <laughs> so you're going back to my earlier point where I said about the mental damage that is just, that's, just, that's just a prime example you know it's just do you know what honestly I've got no what, sympathy for what them what can you say about that like, I've got I've got no sympathy for people who are that off their nut about it just no sympathy but anyway we'll wrap it up there thank you for joining us Stuart have you enjoyed your time I have yeah yeah apart from the the technical here. Oh, that's all right. We've got, we got, got a good got a good good chunk of it anyway. So uh you don't you only missed a little bit at the start, not bad. So yeah, that was Stuart, my cousin, been on the pod a few times. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh Liam, have you enjoyed yourself? You've been on the pod more than a few times. Yeah. I'd love to yeah. know how many times I've been on. Too fucking many. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, have you enjoyed yourself? Of course, mate. Of course. As always. As always. Live for me. Get a life then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, right. Okay. Thank you very, very much for listening. Get involved with our social media. We are Pinted Politics. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, yeah. You could... I've also got a WordPress that I've not written in a few months if you want to check it out online. I've genuinely, I've genuinely <laughs> not written on that in about <laughs> half a year, I reckon. I think it's been ages, but yeah, you I mean feel free to go and have a look at that. I wouldn't bother if I were you. I think really good bits on there that I wrote in the past, but I've never done it in a while. Shut up, you mom. <laughs> uh I'll be giving Liam his P45 in the next episode. Um you Boris meeting at the job center tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so anyways, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate all your support. And um, we will speak to you again next week, or if not next week, probably the week after, because we're a bit irregular. Anyway, cheers. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>